Well, welcome everybody to the uh, Floodlit Dreams podcast. Um, I'm delighted to have today with us um, Steve Claridge, my old mate from Weymouth and, and elsewhere. And um, the reason we're having him on is because um, the book Floodlit Dreams, which after which our company and uh, my publishing company and the website is, is named, um, and Floodlit Dreams was the title of a book I did when I was at Weymouth, and Steve was the manager I appointed. Um, and Steve, the book was written nearly 15 years ago now, and I gather you just got round to reading it. Well, first, I think we need to just trace back to um, the origins of this call and me actually managing to get on this Zoom meeting, mate. You haven't actually said no, don't for that. that. Don't bore right. people with that, for goodness sake. Everybody's got a Zoom story. Focus, stay focused. Okay, will do. <laughs> so tell me how, how and why you came suddenly to read the book after 15 years. Uh, well, I was, um, I was, I, it was, it's actually been under my bed, believe it or not. And uh, um, I've had a, a, a redecorating and the wall where the books were on has, uh, has, um, is still blank, unfortunately. So I've got to remind me to, to get to do that. Um, and the book was put under the bed and I was um, taking the book out. So I was reading a, um, a book of another description and there it was, mate. And I thought, you a know book what? Of another description? Yes, yes. Uh, one day. What does that mean? Oh, it was a, a, a book, not a non-football book, should I say. Uh, it was called One Day, I'm sure you're... you're oh, One Day, what, the David Nichols? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about a mucky book or something by the way you put that. No, we're not. We're not down at Weymouth now, mate. And that's no, still that with you. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you cannot prove that was me. Okay. Oh, that's the people who are guilty. Always say you cannot prove that. Well, I'm sorry, but you can't. So, you know, no. I, well, whether I'm guilty or not, you can't I'll prove you what, it. I'll so. leave. I'll leave the listeners to make up their mind on that. Yeah, one. yeah. Anyway, you, did, you, you were reading one day. All right, I'll let you off with that one. Yes, and I was. But I you, did. I was fumbling around in the dark, as you do. You literally never read it for 15 years. And no. you're kind of a central character in it. Yes, yes, I, I, I know. But I, it was, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't get around to reading it, mate. I'll be honest with you. I haven't got, there's no, no, no standout reason. Um, I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was thinking it was going to be too, too painful to read or something like that. It was just... I'd never got round to it, mate. I mean, I, don't forget, it takes me about three years to read a book because yeah. I usually read a couple of pages and fall asleep. So, um, yeah. and it's been a busy time. So I would have got round to it, yeah, and I have got yeah. round to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me, tell me what you thought of it then. Um, it brought back a lot of, of good memories. I've got to say, a lot, a lot of times you, you look back on clubs and it's, in, in a way, it can be soured, but um, it, it, it was... It was a really, really good time. I've got to say, a first first year was was one of the best that I've, I've experienced in football. I've got to say, it was, it was just everything. When 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 something comes together, and mm. the, the the club was reborn, um, it was like starting afresh, mm. and everything was clean, and everything was 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 like a new brush had just gone across everything. It was just fantastic, and and it was it was great because you just got the feeling that everybody was pulling together and, and, and that, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. So let's just talk about when we first kind of met years and Sorry, years. I should say we thought everyone was pulling together. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, that's a different thing, but we'll get yes. on to that. 
when um i mean my first memory of you is when you were on loan at weymouth um, yeah back in the 80s mid 80s yeah from the old ground yeah from bournemouth yeah. The, um yeah the old ground in weymouth but uh you were on loan i remember a game at wickham wanderers yeah you were on loan and uh you played really really well i think it was a 2-2 draw on the old lokes park ground there yeah um, in the conference and um you we were in the bar afterwards and there were a group of us i was chairman of the london supporters club at that particular time there yeah. were a group of us trying to persuade you to stay at weymouth and once your loan spell was up because you were sort of aware that that you weren't wanted at bournemouth and i think weymouth in the end you you sort of you sort of stayed didn't you and weymouth paid 10 grand for you i think um at that time, they had a bit, a bit of cash around. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, they had more money than Bournemouth. But at that stage, Bournemouth were absolutely brassic. Mm. Yeah, they were, they were really, really on their, on their uppers. Yeah. So um, I think probably Weymouth were financially in a, in a far, far better position than Bournemouth were at that stage. So, so it wasn't that Bournemouth wanted to get rid of you. It was that they of course not. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. No, no, no. They were they were desperate to keep me, but the ten grand, you know, made a huge difference. And anyway, I think it went in Harry's pocket, so it didn't matter. Did hey, it? Hey, you can't say things like that. No, I'm, I'm joking, mate. Yeah, I'm joking. No, uh, he was the manager at the time, actually. Believe yes, it or not. he was Bournemouth. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 I mean, obviously, Bournemouth was the first club that I'd, um, I'd been to after I got, I'd left. Portsmouth as a, as a kid and I've broken my ankle. I've been out of the game for quite a while. And then I went on trial at, at Bournemouth and mm. obviously, you know, fortunate enough to, Harry took me on. And mm. then um, I think that was I, I was, I was in the reserves for, for a while. And then obviously the first time you actually get to play real men's football at a competitive level yeah. was, was at Weymouth. So it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was an eye opener. I really enjoyed it, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had a very good spell there for two or three years didn't you and I, I remember watching you quite a lot of that time I mean do you remember do you remember us from from that time do you, do you remember do you have a memory of me oh, I remember this fellow I couldn't get rid of in the bar at Wickham he just I oh, just kept on and on and on I just thought oh and then I saw him again years later chasing me down a motorway to Birmingham and I just thought oh not him again but uh no I remember that I was covering a game at Birmingham this was when you were at Birmingham City I was covering a game for the Independent on Sunday I think it was in the 90s sometime and I said do you want to do um afterwards you came up to do a radio interview for the local radio with Tom what's his name um do you remember what's his name the the radio guy Tom yeah Tom Ross Tom Ross that's it Tom Ross and and we sort of recognized each other and I said oh do you want to do an interview for the Independent on Sunday and I came up to training at Birmingham I drove all the way up and you said oh, I can't do it now I can't do it now drove all the way back to Luton you were living in Luton at the time I was did it later that evening and you insisted on me going and getting you fish and chips before you would do the interview I remember that well you, you, and you then know, I have to say I have to say you gave me one of the best interviews I ever got in my journalistic career to the point where right. I said, let's do a book together at some point it was probably I, I, i'd probably turn on the charm to uh to sort of extricate <laughs> you from the, the house mate that's probably what it was but do you know that that game you came up to yeah i remember going home yeah that, that day and i was sat in a car and there was like um Pooley, auntie chris white or everyone we'd all come up from like town and 
Yeah, um, they did a fun don't know all the nicknames. Paulie is go on. Gary Paul. Yeah, sorry. And yeah, Gary and Paul and Chris White. Bet yeah, and yep. and Auntie and all that. So we're going home, and I remember they did um they did a phone in, and they said um they were canvassing the worst player, um they they'd ever seen at a club, and uh, to put it this way, I hadn't played particularly well, and they, they this fella did this countdown from ten to one. And I sort of like, I've been a minute. And he got the number one, and I'm literally under the seat. And the lads are, he's got the worst player I've ever seen. He's de- yeah. made his debut today, is Steve Clay. He said he was absolutely dreadful. I thought, oh, the lads are killing and themselves. You know what? I remember you telling me that story for the book. I got accosted in the car park as well. Yeah, I remember that. And I, I remember when we did your autobiography, Tales from the Boot Camp, the first, yeah. first book you did, um, you told me that story about that radio show. Yeah, I used, fantastic. It, I used it as a storyline in Dream Team when I became a scriptwriter for Dream Team. Because, <laughs> because I, I thought to myself, there was, a, there, was a, um, there was a story about the manager was really under pressure and I thought... Let's have them lose 5-0 at Manchester United, then come coming home on the coach. Richard Littlejohn's doing 6-0-6. And let's have a Harchester fan coming on and saying they're dreadful and, and yeah, yeah. players one by one and how bad they are. And using, the, you know, f- filming all the players as they're... And then, um, and then the fan starts talking about how bad the manager is and then the manager has it switched off. So I got a storyline out of that. I used yeah, to we were we, well. Oh, that, we were in a bit of a state, weren't we, at, at that time, Birmingham as well. Was oh. in a, you know, they'd just been taken over. And, so yeah, yeah, we um, we digress. We digress. Yeah, well, I I thought we would. I mean, I thought it'd be that type of podcast, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Keeping this on one topic. Anyway, so we did we did tales from the boot camps together. Have you ever read tales from the boot camps? I have. Oh, you have. Yes, oh. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that's a good book, I have to say. I, I think you told some very, very good stories in it um, about your career. And, and maybe we'll do later podcasts and we'll go through club by club, if you like, because you have so yeah. many good stories to do. Yeah. Let me just ask you for now, that, that book, do you think as good a book as it was with so many great stories in which you acknowledged your gambling and which you, yeah. you later addressed and everything, and got over but you talked a lot about your gambling in that book do you think that book in a way the first book the first one the first one which was yeah, first one was more first one was more candid wasn't it it was very candid do you think in some ways it kind of gave people an image of you that you found hard to live down down the years i i i, I wouldn't just blame the book i think i had a major um uh <laughs> a major um, responsibility for for that. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of those people that um, I think I've been pigeonholed for a long, long time, and that and and it hurts people to take me out of that of that image and and put me somewhere else. So um, yeah, there are lads that have done far, far worse than I've done, um, and and have been able to get over it in weeks, whereas I seem to um, seem to have carried a little bit of baggage, possibly a lot longer than I deserve to. So, um, but yeah, that's. Such is life, mate, isn't it? Such is life. Well, I think the, the thing was, I mean, as you well know, I only ever did books with people that were prepared to be honest and candid. And you got a lot of praise for that as well. But it just meant that, that you were seen as a bit of a knockabout character. Um, yeah. 
I think that I think that's also I, I think you can equate that with me as a footballer as well. Mm. I think you can you can identify my personality with me as as a footballer per se because I think you know people who didn't watch me play or didn't know a lot about me mm. had me as a knockabout footballer a journeyman whereas yeah. the people who watched me yeah. you know they, they felt differently. Right, right. I mean uh, Martin O'Neill once oh, I was talking to him about you once compared you with Kenny Dalglish. Well, he said I was a poor man's Kenny Dalglish, yeah. not set for that. Yeah. I was yeah. going to be diplomatic there. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, any, <laughs> to be mentioned in the same breath is enough. That's yeah. pretty good accolade, a poor man's Kenny Dalglish, because I think what he was trying to say is that, was that, you know, Kenny was the, there was a certain period in the 80s and 90s where Kenny was, you know, the best player in English football, probably. And, uh, you know, his ability to sort of turn, score goals, hold the play. I think it's, it's a lot to do with, 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 his, with his play, with his back to play. Back to play and linking the yes. game. And yes. that's what you were good at. That's, yes. That, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 my, mine was all about getting hold of it, keeping it, getting us up the pitch. You know, mm. people knew if they banged the ball into me, I would, I would get hold of it for them. It wouldn't pop off me. People yeah. wouldn't come and get it. I, I'd always like to be on the move. Mm. I, I, you know, I was always an option. Um, for full-backs, wherever they were, either side of the pitch. And I knew that, you know, with the, my strength being, you know, a lot of the time with the, the movement and my fitness, that mm. I, would, I, would, I would get space and I would earn, earn pockets where I could play in. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why so many clubs wanted you down the years, because they yeah. that kind of player is always in demand. Somebody that can Absolutely, hold Absolutely, yeah. Ball. Yeah, I, I would average you a goal every two, just over two, goal, two games. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just that, it was the other aspects that, you know, I'd make as many again. Yeah. yeah and also, you know, you knew that no matter what I did, if I played badly or if I played well, I, I would affect the game. Mm. So, I mean, we did the book in 96 and there were lots of stories. Yeah. Uh, and we thought you would be coming towards the end of your career at that point, um, in some ways. Um, how old 96 was, you were 30, 96 maybe. was 30. Yeah. Okay. Now... And you were at Leicester, you just made the Premier League. Yes, I, I, the hardest period mm. was 33 to 34. Right, right. Because when you play badly, that was because of your age. Yeah. 33, 34, people were expected to retire or think yeah. about retiring. Yeah. When I got to 35, yeah. everyone went, you keep going, that's that, you're, oh, I'll tell you that, you're a long time retired. 34, 33, 34, they're going, you should retire. When you retire, it was, it was, it was that sort of, um, yeah. it was that sort of passage where people's mindset changed just in the space of a couple of years. I, I, I suddenly at 35 and everyone's suddenly all, all of a sudden positive again. Keep playing and keep, you know, and yeah. it, it was very strange. And of course, I, I'd also, um, I was at Millwall where things were going well. I was playing well. I was, you know, at, at that stage, I was one of the top scorers in the championship you know, for a couple of years. So things were looking good. But at that time at 30, I mean, the thing is nobody realised you were going to be a phenomenon that could keep going. I don't think anyone quite realised the athlete you were and the stamina you had and the natural regime that you kept because you were seen as this knockabout character. Yeah, absolutely. You were eating, I knew you back then, you were eating well long before it was a fashion in football to eat well. Yeah. No, I told you, I, you, know, you know the story of what, what changed my life was, you know, the story down at Blanford. 
and the army oh, camp. Yeah. yeah, 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 the army camp. You know, where, where, where you know, I'd, I'd never been beaten in a race. Yeah. A lad joined Cambridge. I'd never been beaten in, in any sort of running. Obviously, sprints I had, but not, not distance running. Boy came out of the army called Steve Welsh. Welsh and, um, not Walsh, Welsh. Yeah. And uh, he beat me. And um, I thought, hold on a minute. I wasn't living properly. You know, I, I, I didn't have a, a stable home life. And um, we went to Blanford Army Camp. And for the first time, I, yeah. ate, I had three square meals. We trained three times a day. Yeah. And we got down on the Sunday. We had um, we went on a two and a half mile run um, mm. around the army course, and I beat him standing on my head, and and it was that was my that yeah. was the dawning of hold on a minute. Yeah. Last Sunday you couldn't beat him, so this Sunday you beat him and you beat him really comfortably. What's yeah. the difference? And that that gave me I, I still say that week gave me another three hundred games. Yeah, well. The thing is, at that time, obviously, we didn't know that you were going to be such a phenomenon physically and, and keep playing. So when people come to 30, a lot of players, they, they are getting over the hill at that point um, for the majority. And, and if they're still in the game at 32, they've done pretty well in, in many yeah. ways. Um, certainly in that era, even if more, maybe more so these days because of the way people are almost forced to look after themselves at football clubs. Yeah, um, back in in those days, it was very much haphazard whether you were you ate well and trained properly and all those kind of things. So um, we thought your career would, you know, peter out like a lot of footballers, but I mean, it obviously didn't. And you were still playing for Millwall at the age of thirty-seven. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I became chairman of Weymouth, and my first instinct was to come to you. To be to be player manager because you were out of contract at Millwall at that time, weren't you? I was, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd initially gone there um, uh, around the January February time, um, as I'd been let go, at, uh, as relieved of my duties, so to speak, at Portsmouth, mm. um, and then I got a bad a bad bone bruising, and um, I hadn't played for a couple of months as well. So it not only had I lost my job, so to speak, but I, I was injured as well, which made it doubly difficult. But I, got, I eventually got through it and signed, yeah, I signed for Millwall. And initially, it was only on a three-month deal. Yeah. I finished up staying there, well, two and a half years nearly. Yeah, yeah. So you said to me, look, I'm not stepping down to the Southern League. Um, Millwall have offered me a good deal. I think it was about three, three grand a month, uh, a week they were offering you at, at that stage. Yeah, um, but that was a it was slight, yeah it was reduction yeah. I think wasn't it on what you had been on yeah yeah um, and you were you said to me no um, I can't I can't take the pay cut I'm not ready to go into management yet I've got another couple of years playing in the championship I think it's more about the level and playing football more than yeah, yeah. The, the financial sort of side to it it was it was you know did I really want to drop down from you know, the, the, what, I was in the championship at 37. Yeah. I'd still got, I don't know, nearly 15 goals, 12, 13, 14 goals, whatever. Yeah. I still felt I could, could play at that level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went off and I tried two other people I wanted. Uh, one was uh, Martin Rogers, who was at Tiverton at the time, an ex-Weymouth player. Um, and he, after discussions, turned it down. Uh, and the next one, and I did offer it to him, was Sean Teal. Uh, yeah, who was? Oh, you didn't tell me you'd offered it to him. You said you'd you discuss, but that's that's fine. That's that's. Well, I pretty much offered it to him. I do you know what this is getting like? Do you know what this is getting like? This is like when I got rung up by six oh six. 
Yeah. And they said, um, would you like to do the phoning? I said, yeah. They said, well, I said, um, we've tried uh, Spoonie and we've tried him and we've tried, they tried about eight different people went, stop, stop. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll do it. I don't want to know who you've tried before. <laughs> this is sounding quite familiar. No, no, no. You were always the first choice. It was only when you turned it down. And oh, I, went, I, I went to them. And then I did virtually offer it to, to Sean. And um, we, were, we were talking money and all the rest of it. He just won the FA Trophy with Bursco, a tiny little club up in the yeah. northwest. And he was a very promising manager. And could bring three or four good young players down at a cheap price. And, and don't forget, when we were at Weymouth first time around mm. that happened quite regularly yeah yeah willie, i remember willie what was that was it willie young uh left willie back gibson. willie gibson willie gibson sorry yeah i remember him coming down from up north and making a life down in weymouth well, there were there were players at weymouth such as john waldock ian hutchinson they'd come from the northeast i mean yeah, Johnny Lattin, yeah, yeah. the old club in those days when it had money it used to go on scouting missions up to the northern leagues yeah, out three or four players, and could, of course, in those days, it either had club houses or people on the board who would employ players. Yeah, but uh, we don't forget not not just the scouting. We would play teams. Yeah, we, we you know yeah. it was a national league we were in. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so it wasn't like you know conference south, conference north. It was you know we were in the we were actually in the conference playing playing those sort of sides, and for a team to be able to do that, which is literally pick a player up. Yeah, take him out of his of his home. Yeah, people like John Carroll, you know, from yeah from Liverpool. Um, yeah, and John Carroll's. Yeah, <laughs> big. He was a big header of the ball, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so I came. I'd offered it almost to to Sean Teal, and then you rang me up and said, "Look, hang on, um, I think I might have changed my mind." So I came to see you. Yeah, look, can I just get back to you? I think I'd. While you were going to other managers, I was going to other clubs. Okay, so we're even. <laughs> well, then that doesn't say very much for you that they were all turning you down and you came back to Weymouth. Well, it doesn't say very much for you. The others were turning you down. So No, they were. Martin Harris, Sean had accepted it. It was terribly embarrassing for me when you suddenly said, all right, look, I'll talk to you about it. I had to ring Sean up and say, look, I'm sorry, Sean. And I had to pay his expenses because I met him in Birmingham for an interview. Um, to, I was embarrassed by that. I don't. I, don't, I can't deny it. Um, anyway, we sort of hammered out a deal in which you would be on crowd bonuses and various basic things, and all incentive based. I hasten to add. Yeah, yeah, all incentive based. Yeah, we, if if it, if it's a failure, then I don't get paid, and if it's a success, I do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my mistake. I mean, my first mistake was all these bonuses you wanted for all the players, and I agreed to them, um, they applied to Southern League Cup as well. And I remember yeah. we, played, we played a game against Merthyr Tidville quite early on in the Southern League Cup, and the crowd was about 300. And they were on win bonuses, which I should have tailored to sort of poor cup competitions. And we just didn't cover, the gate money didn't even cover the bonuses. So... Um, that was yeah, my... it was probably it was around 20 30 quid wasn't it a win yeah but I'm, I, I it was the only time I've sat in the stand as a chairman wanting my team to lose yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't I, 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 I've got to, I've got to say I, I, I agree with you we you know where I am now we don't do 
every every day bonuses. We we do promotion bonuses and we do a playoff bonus. We don't do you know an everyday bonus like that, and it's it's you know it's not feasible. Looking back for both of us, we were both on a learning curve at the time. But I mean, that book for me, Floodlit Dreams. Um, it was originally going to be called, by the way, the subtitle is How to Save a Football Club, and that's ironic. Yeah, because the original title was going to be uh, how to save a football club a victim's guide and it was supposed to be called. right then my editor and uh, I at um at uh, floodlit dream she was a lovely lovely woman and she was very very good but she didn't know a great deal about football she said to me why don't you call it floodlit dreams that's a nice title and I thought you know what that is a lovely title actually yeah and it's it kind of stuck and we named the company after it um and I was very grateful uh, for that but um, the book I was originally going to write uh, to raise money for Weymouth Football Club oh right yeah, yeah that, I was going to get the the advance for the book and it was going to go to Weymouth Football Club the same way we did a tv documentary yeah, called yeah football absolutely. Diaries. now again football diaries do you think that made you look bad it came out in 2004 and it was I mean, it was very entertaining. A lot of people loved that show. And Weymouth were kind of the star people in it in, in many they ways. They were. Very, well, if you to... remember rightly, we, we went back and got a little bit more money, didn't we, for, because yeah. of the part that we played in it. Well, we got um, £20,000 for the football club. We were main focus of, of that yeah. programme, to be fair. Um, they had really did it make me look... I, I, I think I would say it depends on your interpretation. I, I, you know, we, had a, we had some degree of... Uh, of of um, say so on the edit, didn't we? So you know, it, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But I th I think it, it depends on you know the our, our relationship was not the normal chairman manager relationship. So how that was viewed outside of of us two. Yeah. I don't know. For for me, I was comfortable with with what went on because it was a, it was um, it was an honest appraisal of what our relationship was like. Mm. Now whether or not. It, it would have, you know, obviously it would, it would have had to have been different if, if it was, um, if it was someone that you weren't close to or you didn't know to the extent that we knew each other. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, these things happen. It's all about interpretation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I look back on it now, and um, as as one of the the great periods of my life. Uh, but at the time. I mean, it almost made me ill. I was worrying an awful yeah. lot about money. I was yeah. worrying a lot about results and crowds. I was chain smoking virtually. I don't smoke anymore. I gave up a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and, and I lost a lot of weight during that time. But I look back very, very fondly because we achieved something amazing. I mean, just to set it in context, the team were nearly relegated from the Southern League the season before. They got beaten 5 0, hadn't they, the last game? Last game of the season. I took over as chairman for the last game of the season. They were in a bad way, lost 5 0, away at Crawley, actually. And yeah. I took over properly in the summer. I sacked the manager, got you in. Um, and all of a sudden, we turned it around. The, the average gates had been at 600, and we were getting 1,500 for, uh, as an average in league games for the following yeah. season. And it was a lot of fun, um, but it, it, it had a lot of uh, a sort of angst about it as well. Ha from your point of view, having come from the pro game, been involved in Wembley games, been involved in cup finals, yeah. playoff finals, 
uh, played in the Premier League. How do you look at that season? I remember it very, very fondly. I mean, I don't, I don't tend to look back at everything every year that I've had in football. There are all, always moments where you thoroughly enjoyed it and there are moments that stay with you where you think, um, you know, I wish I'd either done that differently or things had turned out differently. But, but at Weymouth, I've, whether I'm looking through rose-tinted glasses, whether it's because, as I said to you before, everything seemed fresh and new, but we did so much, not just on the pitch in. You know that 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 the um, to get up the the um, uh, the the speedway round the back. Yeah, took a huge effort, mate. Huge, huge effort. You know, trying to find training facilities that just simply didn't exist. Getting the pitch up together, changing the the, the changing rooms around. You know, just basic stuff and. The dealings with the people that we had down there, you know, your, mm. you, you know, your Liz Bells, your Bob Molems, you, you, just, just really, really nice, honest, yeah. decent people to deal with who, who had no ulterior motive at all, and that, that's, that's what overrides anything that was, you know, that was, was towards the end. Obviously, was miserable and, mm. and was, 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 you know, it, that, that brings sort of sad memories because. They, they don't, I don't remember it like that. I just remember a fantastic year, mate. Yeah. Well, just to put it in context, we we'd got, we went from 17th to 2nd. Uh, Gates went from 600 to 1500 during the season. We beat Dorchester 8-0 on Boxing Day, which was the highlight of my football life. <laughs> 3,700 in the ground. 8-0, you scored a hat-trick. Lee Phillips scored a hat-trick. It was, it was just the greatest. I remember going into the dressing room afterwards. Um, I couldn't wait to get down to the dressing room. I was shaking all the Dorchester directors' hands and trying not to sort of punch the air. Uh, and look and gloat too much. Well, you trying not to be smug? I was. No, yeah. come on. <laughs> I was promising I was, but failing probably. And going down into the dressing room, opening the dressing room door, and just giving you a big kiss on your shaved head. It was. Uh, it was the highlight of my life. That, but um, it was. We were top of the table at Christmas and New Year, and then Crawley started throwing money at it. Uh, we couldn't afford to put the same sums of money. We went on a terrible run, um, but we finished runners-up and Crawley have gone on to be a football league club. And I think it could have been us. I really do think it could have been Weymouth. Martin Harrison took over from us. It's a long, boring story. Don't want to go into it, but he lost three million years and his three million in two years and, and, and lost his sanity almost in, in those uh, two stroke three years. He was in charge of the club. Um, to the point where he offered it to me for a pound and I, I didn't want to go back um, at the time because of all the, the bad blood. Um, but I do feel that if he'd left us, you know, instead of sacking you and getting rid of me or forcing me out, that we could have got Weymouth in the Football League at that particular time in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think what all you, all you can say is that we, we did have the best interests of the club, uh, of the club at heart. We tried to do it the right way. We could have, you know, don't forget Crawley, not, not long after doing what they'd done, went into administration, Ian. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we could have done that. You know, we made a, we made a decision, an ethical, a moral decision, that yeah. we wouldn't go down that route. Um, and, and, and that's, that's what way, we stuck I, to. And, and you know, yes, we, we might well have won the league. You know, we, we know what we needed, but were we prepared to do what Crawley were doing? 
they yeah. spent the best part of a quarter of a million pound on players and you yeah. know and getting you know high quality players in um and were we prepared to to match that no we won't and you know you you always said it was a five-year plan yeah well, Steve, I can only say it's amazing how life changes because you've you just used the word we made the phrase we made an ethical and moral decision. Um, you used that phrase. It would have been me using that 15 years ago, and you saying to me, "Come on, just get the money. We've got a match, yeah, and we've yeah, got yeah. to get players in." I think. And I think even I, 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 you know, for my sins, I think I even realised that. I think you learned for us to go that, again and and yeah. and, it, and do what what was required that season was probably a step too far for everybody because you know it could have brought the club to its knees sort of trying to compete with that sort of money so yeah yeah and I think that's why the the club was right for takeover really because the the board and myself didn't have the money to invest in it and somebody came along that that did and and unfortunately that's the thing you see it's all very well having money in football but you've got to know how to spend it and he overspent to get into the conference. If he just spent half that with you as manager, you know, he wouldn't have lost so much money and you could have sustained it for longer. But, you know, that's another story. I'm, I mean, it's, um, it's, a, it's a period of my life that, that uh, was, was fun and it was exciting and it kind of... I refuse. I refuse to look back on that and, and let anybody taint it. Because, uh, as I say, for a year, not yeah. just what we achieved as a football club, but what we achieved in, 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 the, in, the, yeah. in the whole landscape of, of Weymouth Football Club was, yeah. was something that I, I think we can be very proud of. And we, we certainly laid the foundations yeah. for that club to go forward yeah. you know, when it was absolutely on its knees. And, you know, the previous incumbents, you know... Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't really know what they were doing. They 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 didn't have a you know didn't have an idea of how to run a successful club, football club. They didn't know how to to mm. to real re-energize mm. you know that 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 football club. And I, I'm just really proud of what we did. And that's not something that I speak as a single individual. That's yeah. something I, I I speak for a collective group who I really really enjoyed working with. What I think is, is nice is that, I mean, you have been at big clubs, you have played in the Premier League, you've played for passionate clubs like Millwall, Portsmouth, um, you know, you're with Leicester Wolves, all these, these big clubs. But you still look back on that, that one year when everyone was pulling together in the yep. right way, which is quite rare at a football club. For people outside football, they don't realise that it's only so often in your career or your time in football that you get that one moment where all the stars align Everybody has a common goal. Everybody wants you to succeed because politics take over, personalities take over. They do, unfortunately, People yeah. Disagree and what have you, and that happens every level of the game. But for this one year, we had that. That that's when the stars aligned, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's what I remember it for. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and I say I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. As I said, I just so many things that we achieved. Mm. Um, not only in a football sense, but um, in every every sense of the word, was um, was something that we can all be really proud of. And it's it's a, it's a really good football club, and you know, when we we showed that it has real potential. Yeah. Well, about four or five years later, I mean, the the ironic thing is, you were sacked as player manager. The next week, you're taken on by Brighton, and you're playing at at West Ham in the Championship in front of thirty thousand people at the age. Thirty four thousand people. We won one nil. Yeah. Made the goal, and I actually, 
I, I, I played really well, actually. I've got to say, it's one of the best games I've played for Brighton. And, and those three points yeah. kept Brighton in the championship. Yeah. And what age were you then? 39? I must have been, what, 38, 39? 38, 39, yeah, I think so. So, it just uh, an example of what Weymouth lost as a player, let alone a manager. But um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, what, what, what were we talking about, sort of, Conference South level, weren't we, that we were playing in? Um, and I think we got 38, was it 38 goals, I think? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I can look back and say, you know, I did, did my bit and everybody else did their bit. So it, it worked, as I say. It was just a shame. It was a shame that it finished up the way it did. Egos, personalities, people's opinions, people outside of football coming into football who think they know the game, think they know what, what should happen. And and it was a great shame. It was a great shame because, as I said, if if um, if if Martin had had left it as it was and just came and sat and enjoyed it and let us get on with it, yeah. I think he'd have had a you know he'd have had a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah. So four or five years later, after Weymouth, after the book Floodlit Dreams, we collaborated again on your second volume of your autobiography, Beyond the Boot Camps. Um, how did you approach that? Was it a way of setting the record straight for you? There were lots of things you wanted to say in that, I know. Yeah, it's a balance, isn't it? You, you've got to make it... You, you, have to, you have to be open. You have to be accountable. You've got, to, you know, you've got to make it so that hopefully people enjoy it. But you've also... I was still conscious that my, you know, my image went before me. And I didn't, I didn't really want to exacerbate that. I wanted to just put some sort of me as a person more so than um you know me as uh as as um someone who who um was not in control of their life so to speak and and obviously by that time you know i i, I got a semblance of control i was um you know more aware of, of people and and responsibilities and you know i i was i think my football career sort of followed the path of my personality in a way that, you know, I was, I was, a, I wasn't a slow learner, but I, I, I gained the knowledge that I needed as I got older. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and as we, you know, we, we, we all change and we all, you know, we all thankfully grow up eventually. I, I probably just made more mistakes than most. Um, and I got punished for those mistakes more than most. But uh, uh, the second book was definitely about, um, the second book was certainly about a balance between me, as I say, providing a vehicle of entertainment, but also providing a vehicle of semblance of actually who I really was then. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was fun to work on as, as was the first one. And um, I have to say, I've always known you were much more than a knockabout character. And I was happy to write that book with you because I did want to help you get across this side of your personality that, that, people didn't really know I always thought this is why I appointed you as manager I always thought you were a very shrewd judge of a player that you knew how to set up a football team that you were very diligent very honest and uh, I would have no hesitation now appointing you as manager of my football club again so, yeah I think you know you know Ian that whatever I do I'm never going to do it by half so I mean I never did it as a football player no. and I wouldn't do it as a manager I work extremely hard you know, when, was, whatever I'm doing, I will always give it everything. I work extremely hard and I, and I continue to do that. Yeah. And I think now you're, you're obviously a settled man, um, you know, with two daughters you're, you're bringing up and everything, your manager at, at Salisbury. Um, 
but I was just going to, you just reminded me of something when you're talking about being, um, uh, you give everything. Is it true every club you played for where you spent a one, at least one full season, you were player of the season for that season? Yeah, I've never completed a season at mm. any football club without being named, yeah, player of the season. Yeah, it's amazing. Steve, thank you very much for this today. Um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, we've talked about uh, Flooded Dreams, the book, and your time at Weymouth. We've talked about your two volumes of autobiography. Um, we've, we've barely even scratched the surface of what a long, I was gonna say, yeah, we have. <laughs> long career you've had. What do you say we do this again sometime and start going through your clubs and talking about them? What do you, what do you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no problem at all. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. It's always good to, good to see you and good to speak. All right. God bless you. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Look up, Bye. sir.